almost. Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the fourth Monday of the month, which means it's time for Goodbye Lupus with Dr. Brooke Goldner. And today she's going to be talking about whether or not rapid weight loss is safe. But I have to tell you, this is a really funny story that I live now in Northern California and I join meetup groups. I have my own meetup group if you'd like to join. And we go to restaurants, local restaurants that are vegan, but also that do SOS free. And this has happened twice now in the last two weeks where people run up to me, they're patients of hers. They've completely recovered from their autoimmune disease. They sing her praises. So that just proves she's the real deal. If people are just coming all over the place and telling me how great she is and how great her program is, you can't beat a testimonial like that. Maybe we'll have them on the show sometime to share their story of recovery. Please welcome Dr. Brooke Goldner. You are popular. (laughs) You're popular everywhere. You know, these women, I mean, they're not just like, oh yeah, I went to her. It was great. I mean, they are just so passionate because I think with autoimmune diseases, they're so painful. They're so insidious, you know, and, and people suffer so much. And one of the ladies was pregnant and she had a baby and they, they love you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. They become health evangelists. My, my patients and my clients say, and, uh, and it's wonderful. And it's because yes, I mean, Look at me, right? When you've been that sick and doctors can't help you and you're suffering so much, and then you find the path and you can be well, you just want to share it, right? Obviously, I'm enthusiastic about it. And um, and I love how, how the people I help go on to just be so excited to share it with others. We all just want everyone to feel this good. But it, that's awesome. I mean, unsolicited testimonials. They... No, absolutely. Do you think <laughs> with autoimmune disease, the patients maybe are more compliant? Because certain diseases like non-alcoholic fatty liver, for example, there's no symptoms. And so, but with, with autoimmune disease, people are in pain. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends. I, I think um, one of the things that I'm really specialized in is helping people become compliant because I'm so well-versed in understanding how the mind works and how, how motivation and, and, and anxiety and depression and trauma and how they play into them. So I'm always working on helping them overcome the emotional so that they can just stick to the nutrition, right? Because nutrition is fairly simple. It's, it's eat this, don't eat that. Right. But uh, when it comes to taking action, that's almost entirely emotional. So we have to reprogram this to support all the things that we know. I always show, you know, in my rapid recovery group, I'll tell people, all right, right now you're thinking from here, the emotional mind is down here, right? But this part in the front, this is where we solve problems like math, you know, maps, read maps, things like that, right? We got to think from here, all right? And not from here, right? And so I'm always trying to redirect them to make their decisions based off what's best for them. But for most folks, food is an emotional thing and, and that's really difficult. So I think that's one part that makes them more compliant. Um, I have super high levels of support for people who are on my programs because, you know, when you were talking about Rachel that you saw in public, right? So she's made videos so I can say, (laughs) but she, uh, you know, she worked with me every day for 28 days. So every question, every issue, every craving, boom. But she was extra motivated because yes, she was pregnant and she didn't want to end up in the ICU. And when she's had pregnancy and miscarriage before, she would get so sick, she couldn't leave the hospital. So she was terrified. So terror and knowing you have a baby coming definitely helps compliance. Uh, A lot of times when people come to me, they're already so sick that they'll say, you know, I'll eat paper if it'll help. And I'm like, well, my stuff's better than paper, you know? So it's still difficult. They still go into cravings, but yes, I think the sicker you are, the more desperate you are, the more willing you may be uh, versus, you know, when people ask me in Q and A's, well, how do you help someone who feels fine, but you know, they need to eat better? I said, good luck. 
You know. Exactly. That's why sometimes with younger people that have no diseases and no excess weight, it's really hard sometimes to get people motivated to, to see into the future what their future might be if they continue down that path. Yeah, I've had some people work with me because they want to be the first person in their family not to have diabetes or not to have heart disease or diabetes uh, or I'm sorry, or autoimmune disease. But yes, for most folks, uh, pain is the biggest motivator. And if you're not in pain, it's very easy to be motivated not to take action. Well, it sounds like getting people pregnant might be a good idea. That <laughs> if it increases compliance, I don't see that coming, Chef. Um, <laughs> won't, work, won't, work with the, won't work with the men, but maybe the women. Well, anyway, maybe. They, although when people are pregnant, the food cravings and the vomiting, it can be very difficult to help someone who's pregnant. Uh, actually, I have found that to be a problem. I always tell people get healthy first because of those reasons. If they're vomiting, we can't feed them, and it doesn't work. So. Absolutely. So you said you wanted to talk about if rapid weight loss is safe. And I'm curious, of course, to learn about that, but also if it's sustainable, because when I've had Dr. Lyle on the show, which is also every month, he talks about how slow and steady really wins the race. Mm, 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 mm. Well, it's a really interesting topic. And the reason I thought of it is because this is something that comes up all the time, right? When people start eating healthy, and I know this is one of the things you teach. I mean, your books are about that, right? About how you can lose weight, plant-based eating, uh, and then what happens, right? You get thin and people go, oh, you have an eating disorder. You're sick. Something's wrong with you, right? And we, you asked me about that last time about, you know, people claim being plant-based as an eating disorder, et cetera. But one of the things that I see all the time is that people are trying to get healthy, right? Some people will do my programs for weight loss, but most people come to me because they are extremely sick and they want to do the fast track to getting healthy. But it turns out the foods that are the healthiest and stimulate cellular repair the most are also foods that stimulate metabolism which make you have fat loss, right? So part of getting healthy for most people also involves losing fat. And so uh, my story originally was when I was shedding lupus, I wasn't trying to get rid of lupus. I didn't know it was possible. I was trying to lose weight. And so in three months doing the protocol that existed then, it's been modified over time to be optimized. But even back then I went from a size 11 to a size three in three months. And you wanna know if it's sustainable. Well, that was when I was 28, I'm 46. And even with two babies, it hasn't come back. So it's sustaining pretty well, right? But, um, but one of the things that, that we realized was that the optimal way to build a fast metabolism also creates a healthier immune system, a healthier body. Now there are people who do our program for, for health, but then they lose fat. And it's interesting in the past, that was a perk. Everybody wanted to be skinny, right? It used to be skinny was the goal. Now, all of a sudden there's been kind of a change in culture where people are more embracing curves and rounder bodies. People are the most dangerous plastic surgery is getting fat injected into your butt and people are doing it, right? You can die <laughs> and they're doing it, right? So, so, uh, so things have changed in terms of the aesthetics that a lot of people find to be attractive. And now we're having people push back where they don't wanna be skinny. They don't wanna be too skinny. So that's one problem. Uh, the, then I say too skinny, let me put it in the air quotes there. Uh, the other problem is it's really frustrating for people because others criticize them that they are so excited because their, their arthritis is gone and they're feeling so good and they're feeling energized. And then they see their friends. And instead of saying, wow, you look so amazing. You're glowing, you're vibrant. They go, oh, wow, you're getting too skinny. You should eat something here, have some meat or have some cake, right? And so they feel unhappy or judged by other people somehow that they're not uh, looking good or looking too skinny. And even their doctors, we have had some people see their doctor who says, oh, you lost weight too quickly. 
that's not healthy. You should slow down. And they're going, but, but my arthritis is gone. And look at my lupus markers and my kidney function jumped 15 points. And you're telling me I have to gain weight back? What, what's going on here? So it, it's a really frustrating issue. And when you think about it, what are they telling you? Are they telling you to fix it by getting fatter? Put more fat on your body. Because they're not talking about go lift some weights and build muscles, right? They're literally saying, eat some crap to get the scale on the, the number on the scale to go up so you can be fatter as if somehow that's better for your health, right? It makes no sense logically when you sit down, but because it's a, such a common topic of discussion in our programs with our clients, I thought, you know what? This is a really, really good uh, topic to bring because of all of this, there's so much around it. And, and I think when you're trying to answer the question, is the, is the weight loss unhealthy? Is it too fast? Is it unhealthy? The biggest thing you need to address is what is the cause of the weight loss, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to a doctor, doctors normally, when they see someone suddenly drop a ton of weight, it's because they're starving themselves, right? They're, they're either on an unhealthy diet where they are malnourished and they're dropping weight because they're malnourished, right? Um, or they have a disease like cancer and the cancer is eating up all their calories and it's making them lose weight, right? Or they're smoking or something like that. Or they have a disease like anorexia where they're not eating at all and they're starving themselves or doing prolonged fasting. Um, so, uh, so they're looking at what kinds of illnesses could cause this kind of weight loss, right? And that really is our medical training. When you show up at a doctor's office, they are looking at everything about you in terms of what illnesses can cause that outcome. They're not ever thinking, gosh, maybe she's healthier than normal people. And that's why she, she's looking so slim, right? They're looking at what is a pathological reason. And then their answer is, well, if we just get the weight back up again, no pathology, but that's not really the, what you wanna do, right? If someone has cancer, you're not going to give them cake and meat and hope they get better. Yeah, the scale will go up and they're dying faster, right? If they're right, we have to think about really the cause of this. When you are changing your diet to a healthier diet, right? A, a nourishing plant-based diet, or I teach a hyper-nourishing plant-based diet, you're supplying the body with more nutrition than it's ever had. When you have more nutrition, you speed up your metabolic rate. And when you speed up your metabolic rate, you're going to promote fat loss. So, and fat loss is good for us because fat can store toxins. So if you are more nourished than you've ever been and you're effortlessly losing body fat, and at the same time, other factors show that you're improving your health, then absolutely this is a safe thing to do. In fact, it's a wonderful thing to do, right? You can lose weight from a bowel movement. Is that a disease? <laughs> Not, especially if you're eating a lot of plants. That could be two pounds right off, boom, in one sitting. Is that unhealthy, right? Um, you can lose weight from being dehydrated. Overnight, can lose five, 10 pounds from being dehydrated. That's a problem, but it's not a problem that you need to eat fat. It means you need to drink water, right? And when, when folks go the other way with me and go, oh my God, I just started and, and I looked at the scale and it's up 10 pounds. I said, yeah, you know why it's up 10 pounds? You ate two pounds of vegetables and a gallon of water weighs eight and a half pounds. So therefore you have added 10 pounds of fluid and food to your body, but you didn't add any body fat. And when you go to the bathroom, that'll come right back out again, right? So weight is not a very good way, first of all, of even looking at health at all. Um, you have to really look at all of the things. Whenever people gain weight, they assume it's fat. And whenever they lose weight, they assume it's muscle. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Makes no sense, right? So the only reason you'll ever lose muscle 
would be, you know, if you are not exercising and a lot of people who are sick are, are very sedentary. And so they've lost all their muscle mass and they don't know it yet until they do a fat loss program when they eat really healthy and lose fat and suddenly they have no muscle. It was revealed, but it wasn't caused by that. Being on high dose steroids and things can cause um, and other medicines can cause muscle loss. So that's the other thing to look at is where's the weight loss coming from, right? So why are you losing the weight? What is the cause? And where are you losing it from? Are you losing it from fat? Or are you losing it from muscle? If but you how, how do you tell though, Dr. Goldner, excuse me for interrupting, but how do you know? Because the scale doesn't really tell you. The scale doesn't tell you. And so that really then involves that deeper analysis. So for me, that's not something that's difficult to do because I know exactly what they're up to, right? I'm seeing them, I'm seeing what they're up to. Um, my husband, of course, is an expert in, in fat loss and muscle building. So we're always like, okay, let's look at your activity level, what you're eating, right? And what medicines you take. And then we can find that out, right? So if someone says, well, I have rheumatoid arthritis, uh, I've barely moved it all off the couch for 10 years. And, uh, and suddenly I've lost, uh, in, in a month, I lost 20 pounds. Okay, well, their weight loss. So first of all, if that happened before they met us, then we know that their weight loss is not because, you know, a fat loss, especially if they're eating a poor diet, that weight loss is going to be muscle, right? Um, if they're taking, uh, so the steroids actually cause muscle breakdown. So I know when someone's taking prednisone, prednisolone, they're going to have muscle breakdown from that. And if they're sedentary, they have muscle breakdown. So your body will only make as much muscle as it needs. And if you're not moving much, you're not going to have much muscle tissue. So I already know that that person, when they lose weight, that, that that's where it's going to come from. Right. But a lot of those folks are gaining weight. They're losing muscle and they're gaining weight because they're eating poorly. They're not getting off the couch. They're getting Uber eats. So their weight's going up, but what they don't know is body fat's going up and muscle tissue's going down. For the reasons I just said, muscle tissue's going down, body fat's going up from a poor diet. Then they meet me. And I'm like, all right, let's do some smoothies. Let's do some salads, right? Let's get you nourished. In the beginning, they're in too much pain to exercise still, right? Because we have to wait for inflammation to come down. So, but weight starts coming down quicker because they're not eating junk food anymore, right? They're eating healthier, metabolism starting to come up. And so weight starts coming off. Maybe a few pounds a week starts coming off. So they start panicking and I go, don't worry right now. What's coming off first, maybe some glycogen. All right. Maybe you've also uh, got some old food in your gut that's coming out because you don't start losing fat in the first week or two. Right. But after that, it starts to be body fat. And we know that because when you're hypernourished, you're not going to lose muscle tissue because you have enough nourishment for muscle tissue, because I'm sorry, the one I didn't address is the other reason people lose muscle tissue is starvation. So if you're hypernourished, you're not starving. So it's not that. As they start to move more because they feel better, they're actually using their muscles more. So it's not that, right? And if they're using less medicine, it's not that, right? So really what we're looking at is what change has happened. The only change that's happened is you're adding more nutrition, then you're losing some body fat. You're not losing your muscle tissue, right? So it's just one of those things where people have to understand that they panic. And it's always so weird to me why if they lose two pounds, they assume it's muscle. If they gain 10, it has to be all fat. And, and I have to say, how can you get fat on vegetables? There's no, show me the physiology of how you can gain fat on vegetables. You can't, right? So that must mean that you just have a lot of food in your gut. You have a lot of water in your bladder, right? And then it'll pass. My husband once demonstrated that. He had a client who, she said, oh, I'm, I'm gaining weight. And he goes, you can't gain weight. We're exercising every day. You're eating what I'm telling you. You're not gaining weight. She goes, but I see it on the scale. He's like, that's just food and hydration. He said, watch this. And he got on the scale and weighed himself. And then he took his gallon of water and he just chugged as much as he could. And then he got on the scale and it was up like five pounds. And he goes, see, right. And then 
about 20 minutes later, he goes, hold on, got to run to the bathroom. Ran and came back up, back on the scale, down five pounds. He goes, demonstration right there. So the other thing is, as people start to drink more water, which they do in my program, they become very hydrated. And sometimes their weight will go up. And it's because I always tell them, you're a grape now instead of a raisin. That's all. You're hydrated cells. So analyzing and understanding weight is really a part of what I do every day. But what's really been frustrating, I think, for a lot of people and for me uh, trying to help people has been the panic about the weight loss, especially rapid weight loss. So that's why I wanted to really help people understand that what you're doing is the most important factor to knowing if it's healthy. Um, so, so one way to know would be, as I said, are you getting healthier? So for a lot of my folks, yes, um, they're losing weight rapidly and their joint pain is going away, inflammation, inflammation markers are coming down, kidney functions going up, antibodies are going away, skin is glowing, right? So you can't get sicker and healthier at the same time, right? So if you are losing weight rapidly and your body's rapidly getting healthier, then that must be part of getting healthy, right? That you are losing fat as part of your health getting better, right? Versus, you know, folks who kind of go the other way. Um, I had an example in my head that I was thinking of because we just finished a rapid recovery group on Friday and, uh, and it was awesome. Every single person who came to the, to the final meeting, every single one of them had positive outcomes. Some of them completely reversed their disease, some mostly there, but it was just like, it was we, eight hours of people coming on to tell their stories. It was just so cool. But one woman in our group um, who, who said she's going to share her story soon, so I hope to share her face with it. But she started out over 600 pounds and she's got rheumatoid arthritis, obviously food addictions, um, all sorts of the health problems that come with being so obese. A year ago, she switched to being plant-based and she's lost hundred pounds in a year, right? Fabulous. She joins a rapid recovery group. Now it didn't affect her. She still had her rheumatoid arthritis, still very poor energy, still unable. She hasn't left her house in so long. She's homebound because she can't move to leave her house. It's just horribly depressing, right? So She's lost this hundred pounds, but still tons of arthritis, still, um, you know, very exhausted and, and also having chronic infections, cellulitis and things in the six weeks in our group, she lost 32 pounds and her rheumatoid arthritis in her knees got so much better that by the third week she started exercising. She got a physical therapist. Um, actually her husband's working with her first and then she's getting physical therapy. She's getting up, uh, and she's moving around. She's walking her cellulitis healed in a couple days instead of lasting for weeks. Uh, everything about her health is better. She's smiling. She's happy. She feels really good, right? So you see this person who, when you think about weight loss in a full year, she lost hundred pounds, but in six weeks, she lost 32. That's almost a third of what she lost in a year had coming off in six weeks. Was it unhealthy? I would say for someone whose arthritis is going away, her infections are going away, who has energy and who's moving and walking again for the first time, that that is healthy. And she doesn't have cravings. She doesn't have food cravings. She feels full. She feels satisfied. So that is someone who is having rapid weight loss, which she needs for her life and feels the best she's ever felt, right? Now, if you want to juxtapose that to a client I had once who she went on a paleo diet for weight loss, had no health problems that she was aware of, right? Younger lady and mom, and she decides to join CrossFit. And at the time, I don't know if they still are, but at the time, CrossFit was all paleo, right? So you're going to eat like the ancestors. You're going to work out hard, right? And so she had never done, she was on a standard diet and she switched to paleo. And she told me what she was mostly eating is eggs or chicken every meal. 
multiple meals a day with a little bit of vegetable. And for the first time in her life, she had abs. She lost so much weight and she was ripped, just muscles everywhere, abs, so lean. First time in her life, she ever looked like that. She lost so much weight, right? Loved how she looked and she got lupus. Her arthritis got so bad, she couldn't lift weights anymore. Her, her hands were like this and she couldn't lift weights. She felt so sick, got diagnosed with lupus, found me within two weeks, she could, arthritis was gone again, right? So literally you could see that her diet caused that. But here's someone who was losing weight rapidly, who got ripped to shred, looked so fit and healthy in terms of her abs and her muscles and developed autoimmune disease, right? Rapid weight loss, but getting sicker at the same time. So I think we need to kind of expand out when we're looking at weight loss and see what's happening to the person's body. If everything's looking healthier, then they're on a healthy diet, right? But if they're getting sicker, well then no, right? So, you know, there's a thing I, I read about called keto skin and people are just eating like meat and butter and they're getting rashes and breakouts, right? Then look at you sitting there, right? right? Plant-based person, glowing skin, beta carotene glow, like youthful looking, right? That so if you, your skin is a really good sign of, of your interior health, it's the only organ that we can readily see. I mean, okay, eyes, but skin is going to show us a lot, right? So when you see people developing horrible rashes and breakouts and things, and th that's a problem, right? They're getting sicker. Um, even things like, uh, like Woody Harrelson, who's a famous vegan. I read an article where he said he became vegan because someone on an airplane, he had terrible complexion. And a person on an airplane told him, you know, if you go vegan, it'll clear up your skin. And he listened. And he cleared up his skin. <laughs> so, and I don't even know what kind of vegan he is, but you know, I, myself, I had a lupus rash, you know, I had a rash going across my face when I was sick. I had clear skin at 46, you know, and at 16, I had rashes. So when you're looking at, you know, overall health, that is so much better than a, a number on a scale where that number can go up if you have to poop or how much you had to drink or whether it's muscle or fat or other things versus when you look at the entire human and say, what is happening to this person's health? Are they driving inflammation up? Are they getting sicker? Is their skin getting bad? Or inflammation coming down, swelling coming down, markers getting better, health getting better, skin's glowing with health, right? That we have to stop looking at the scale really as our decision point on whether or not, uh, whether or not this weight loss is healthy and especially rapid weight loss. You know, you mentioned skin, which is interesting because one of the live viewers named Linda is posting that she's losing weight very fast by doing a whole food plant-based diet without SOS, but she's worried about developing ozempic face without the ozempic and she's 68. So how do you feel about ozempic in general? And how do you feel about her? Ozempic face. I just learned that term. <laughs> So basically what that refers to, there's a diabetes drug that's now being used as a weight loss drug and they call it ozempic face. But really what that means, that's the name of the drug. What it really means is it's a face that looks gaunt because of rapid weight loss. So, you know, people lose weight loss rapidly and the skin doesn't have time to improve elasticity to catch up with that. Uh, then you can have sagging skin. And basically what they're talking about is like the cheeks get all hollowed out and everything. Um, so Again, it depends on how you're doing it because, um, 
you know, what, what I teach is something called hypernourishment. And so what we're doing is we're oversupplying the skin and the whole body with the nutrients it uses for cellular repair and optimal function. So, you know, like when I always have my smoothie with me, it's not a prop, like I'm literally drinking, you know, my kale and spinach and omega-3 fat, uh, flax or chia. Um, I have my gallon water jug that I'm working on every day, right? So, so I'm very, very nourished. And so my skin stays very nourished and healthy. And even at 46, um, my skin looks very youthful because of my nourishment, even though I have very low body fat, I have very low body fat, but I don't look gaunt, um, you know, because, because I'm well nourished. So I think if you're, if you are one, you want to make sure that you are eating enough. So when I'm doing a decision tree on someone who is trying to, who is losing weight and they want to know if it's too quick, right? So, okay. Well, one, are you hungry? Because one of the things people do, especially when they're trying to diet is they try to eat minimal amounts. They're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm satisfied. That's enough, right? I teach hypernourishment. I want people stuffed. <laughs> I want you eating all day because we're trying to dose you up in nutrition. So if you are not eating enough and you're hungry, that's a sign that you're losing weight too quickly too, right? There's a difference between hungry and satisfied. Uh, if you are emotionally satisfied, if you are full where your belly is full, but you're still dreaming of cheese, that's not hunger. That's a craving, right? But if you are full all day long, then that is a good sign that you're getting enough food, enough nourishment, right? So that's a really important thing is make sure that you're eating enough food um, and you're staying away from the toxic stuff. But I don't think I've ever met anyone who's lost weight and gotten to their goal weight and regretted losing it because they have looser skin. I mean, if you're, if you're a very big person and your skin has been stretched out for a long time, there is gonna be some sagginess no matter what, even if the skin is healthy. But if you needed to lose it and you can now do things you never did before because your body is smaller, that's a really good thing. Um, but for people who are losing, I think within like 50, 60 pounds, I don't really see much. But if it's hundreds, I do expect there to be some skin issues, you know, in terms of sagginess, but it'll still glow and be healthy. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's something to really worry about. Just make sure you're full, make sure you're nourished and you're eating the right foods uh, and, and your body will be glad that you did that. But I don't think that's a big issue. Usually when I see people who look gaunt um, while eating plant-based, it's because they're not eating enough uh, healthier fats, things like um, the flax and chia or avocados and things like that, where you're still getting uh, some fats. Sometimes people will stay away from all fats because they're scared that anything is bad for them. And sometimes that could also make them kind of look a little, little gaunt or feel hungry all the time or something like that. But uh, if you're, if you're eating healthy foods, uh, your body's going to be happy for you and you're going to glow and, and be glad you did it. Well, uh, Tammy says, I love Dr. Goldner so much. So down to earth and just a beautiful soul. And Kathleen says, but she heard from some other people in our field that say to eat your food and not have smoothies, especially if you have weight to lose. Yes. But you know, what's interesting is whenever people say that they never actually have any results of why they say that. So um, there's a difference between uh, thoughts or theories and actual results and evidence. So I've worked with thousands of people now and we have people who are doing this protocol and they lose body fat pretty quickly. In fact, I've had a lot of folks come to me who are already plant-based for years, but they couldn't lose any more weight. They got stuck, right? Then when they add the smoothies and boom, their metabolism picks up and the weight just falls off. So in terms of results and evidence, it works really well. And then on top of that, listen, so results wise, hands down, we can, <laughs> I can do it all day with you. If you go to our smoothie shrug group, you can see it all day. Um, there is really no difference uh, in terms of 
why chewing it would be better. In fact, uh, not that long ago, my buddy, Dr. Greger posted uh, about it, an article where they showed that they measured the nutrition absorption in smoothies versus chewing, and you absorb more nutrition from smoothies than from chewing. So if you're trying to get all of those vitamins and minerals and things you want, you're actually getting more of it when you blend it. But one of the other things that very early on, um, I met I met Michael Greger at a conference and 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 he was interested. He's very he's always interested in things, right? And he was interested in what I was doing. It was kind of like, okay, that's new. And then uh, he's like, I don't know about smoothies, but that sounds interesting, right? And then a year later, he said, what is in those smoothies? Because just like Chef AJ said in the beginning, he goes, everywhere I go around the world, people are coming up to me saying your smoothies save their life. What are you doing? What is in there? And I told him what was in there. And he goes, that's really interesting because I bet you get people to eat more vegetables than anybody else can. And I said, absolutely. It's the way we dose them up too. So if you look at the fact that like a Vitamix blender breaks open the cell wall, so you maximize how much of the vitamins and minerals you actually absorb, that's been proven by a study that showed people absorb more nutrition that way. And that you'll probably eat more vegetables than you ever would by chewing. Really, you add that to the fact that the results show that smoothies work great for weight loss. There's really nothing to argue about. So whenever I see people say that, I'm like, cool, what is that based off of? Did you do a comparative study head to head? No, I was just thinking about it. And I thought about, you know, enzymes and saliva. And I, I just, for me, and, and I say this, uh, I say this humbly because I, 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 as someone who was sick and, and as a scientist and a physician, um, I never trust just my thoughts on things because no matter how smart you are, you're wrong a lot of the time. All of us, right? Just as humans. So the only thing I ever teach people is results because I know if I'm thinking about things, I might be right and I might be wrong, but I only want to teach what I can prove and, and what I've already seen proven. That's why even when we released our protocol, it was after testing it for over a year to make sure there was no outlier, that there was nothing we were missing because I wanted to make sure that everything we, that, that we include is something that actually works to help people and anything that we're taking out is because it's not, right? So, so I'm very careful about what I teach and it's always, always based off results. My husband had the largest boot camps in Orange County, California, before we left California. And he tested diets on his group that all had the same exercise program. And he would test diets. Smoothies were the best thing he could give people to get rapid fat loss with the right exercise that he would teach them. So when it comes to really testing smoothies and fat loss and health, we've got so many results. It, it's, I mean, just over a thousand people have done rapid recovery alone. Like the results prove that it's absolutely great. And you can tell by how people feel. They drink them, they've got great energy, glorious bowel movements, like everything starts working better for them. So if you prefer chewing, chew away. That is perfectly fine. If you wanna chew them up, fantastic. I like to chew salad. When I healed from lupus, I didn't know about smoothies and I chewed pounds of raw vegetables a day. But if you're worried that that's gonna actually have a negative impact, if you make them the way we teach you, 100%. By the way, Dr. Gregor, after he told me that, he made his own video on his favorite green smoothie. And that was, you know, it was like a, it was what's such a beautiful thing to see how that changed. Dr. Clapper teaches it now where he once questioned it. And now he'll text me asking me like, what do you think about this? Right. That I feel like in the plant-based community, our results have really gotten some of the folks who thought differently before to see differently now. Some folks are stubborn and don't want to, but again, if you see someone teaching that, please ask them, is this based off of a theory or have you put a head to head looking at fat loss with smoothies versus salads to show that? And I think you're gonna find that they haven't. So be careful about that. Now that is not to say that not all smoothies are equal. 
you know, I'm not talking about a fruit smoothie, right? That you added some maple syrup to. I'm talking about 75% greens, handful of flax or chia, fruit for flavor, water. Um, they are all the ingredients your body needs to create a fast metabolism. So no need to fear of that at all. In fact, embrace it because it makes your life so much easier when you're trying to lose weight or get healthy. Great. You know, one of the live viewers says that smoothies don't fill her up, Christina's saying. Maybe they're not big enough. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, drink more. That's always, that one always makes me giggle because when someone says, what do I do if I'm hungry after a smoothie? I'm like, have another glass. <laughs> so, so again, it's up to you because if you're otherwise healthy and you're just trying to add that blender data to, to optimize health and get that dewy skin and keep your immune system functioning optimally and you want to eat other things as well, fine, have your glass of smoothie and have your Ezekiel bread with avocado or have your other cooked vegetables or tofu scramble or whatever it is you like, it's fine. But if you're trying to use them uh, more optimally, let's say you're trying to do miracle metabolism or you're trying to, to get healthier, you can drink until full. I know it's possible. Uh, you can absolutely do that. Or you can drink and eat. But again, there's a difference between satiety, cravings, and actual fullness, right? So sometimes people say, I'm still hungry, but they can't actually drink another sip. They are full. Their belly is full. But their brain is still looking for some dopamine. It's still looking for some high. And it's like, mm, I'm not feeling it. And if that's the case, if your belly is actually full, but you're having cravings, get out of the kitchen and do something for dopamine. Go for some fun. Do something exciting. Go see a friend. Get out of the kitchen and stop looking to be fulfilled emotionally in the kitchen and instead get out. So if you're hungry, have more. If you're not hungry but having cravings, get out of your kitchen and start having more fun in your life. And then you can just let food be what it's meant to be a tool. And saying, which are your books mentioned smoothies? Goodness. Um, Goodbye autoimmune disease talks more about smoothies. Uh, Goodbye lupus was my story and it really has the protocol and the components in it, but that's from 2015. Um, we, uh, in, in smoothie, in my Goodbye Autoimmune Disease book, I talk about actually one of the first chapters is objections to smoothies and what people have said about them and, and oxalates and all the objections we have heard uh, that people have posed, but not really been able to substantiate. Um, so I talk about it more there. And then of course, it's just become our thing. My, my husband started the Smoothie Shred Group, I think in 20, let me think, 2013 as a public service. And so that site has smoothie recipes and videos and things that we just give for public service. There's no, it doesn't even take your email address. Like you can just go there and, and look around and learn from it. Um, so I think we started talking about it more aggressively there, especially once we made them taste good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Early smoothies were not, not tasty. <laughs> absolutely. Let's see if there's any more questions on this subject. Very interesting. So yeah, so the half a cup of flaxseed, is that always, or is that just for people that are, what, what do you call it at the beginning? There's maintenance and in the beginning, so, recovery? Hypernourished. Let's say you're just, you're already fairly healthy, but you want to optimize metabolism and you want to optimize immune health. You just want to add this. A handful of flax or chia a day is plenty. For people who are trying to actively change their health or their weight, a half a cup is usually where we start, especially for my aggressive programs where I have, you know, limited days to work with them every day, like rapid recovery is like 28 or 42 days. I start at half a cup and then I might increase depending on what we're doing. So um, there's no real upper limit that we found to be problematic for weight loss or for 
uh, health. Um, that's one of the things my husband tested when he was doing his his uh, his his um, boot camps is he had people on different doses of omega threes because he found more omega three increases fat loss. So he thought, oh, is there an upper limit where then it turns the other way? And what he found is that he was giving people thousands of calories and omega threes. Fat loss got faster and faster and faster. And then the upper limit was, I'm going to throw up if you make me have any more of that. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, we've tested all of those things. So it really depends. So, so if you like it and you want more, you can, um, but usually a half cup is a really good dose. And then for people who are very slow guts, not good at fiber, then cold pressed flax oil is the oil exception. I know everyone gets scared of oil, but it is the exception. And we've tested on thousands. We know it, uh, that flax oil will have a higher dose of omega-3. So you can try a couple of tablespoons of that instead. And it has been useful in reversing heart disease and diabetes. So we, again, I teach from, from results. So some folks find that that helps them if they feel overly full, unlike the person who felt not full enough. Um, that's the gut is where the, the largest variety is for people. So Cheryl said that she read that flax seeds are estrogenic. Do you have any insight on this? Do I have insight? I have tons of insight for you. Yes. So it's not actually true. It's nutrition mythology. So it's one of the problems with, with, um, I mean, I love the internet, obviously. I, I like the fact that I can even talk to Chef AJ right now and talk to all of you right now. The internet has helped so many of us. And yet it kind of gives people equal footing to say that they know stuff, like equal standing. So somebody might say something and be like, ha ha, estrogen from flax, just like they say estrogen from tofu. And then those of us who are scientists who understand the physiology were like, no, 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 no. It's not. But by that point it's gotten shared as a meme and then we have to fight back. So. So flax seeds, like tofu, has phytoestrogen in it, P-H-Y-T-O, phytoestrogen in it. Phytoestrogen does bind to estrogen uh, receptors, but it binds very weakly and it blocks estrogen from binding. So it actually reduces your overall exposure to estrogen. It doesn't increase it, which is why they found it to be something that you want if you've had things like uh, family history of breast cancer, for example. So, uh, so uh, tofu, soy products, and seeds have been absolved that they actually are protective because they decrease your exposure to estrogen, not the opposite. That's great. And Anne says, are the smoothies always water um, or can they have plant milk in them? Um, you can put unsweetened almond milk in there if you want to. It's just that one of my goals is also to get people really hydrated. So it's just more water to drink separately. So most folks end up using the water. Um, but you can absolutely use your unsweetened almond milk in there if you prefer to be a bit creamier. Although I like the bananas for the creaminess. Yeah, bananas are great. Let's see, there was a question on juicing. Where did it go? Um, oh, where did it go? Sorry. It, that, um, I'm sorry, I, my, my flax goes, my flax. <laughs> my cat goes really fast. Here it is from Ashley. Dr. Goldner, are smoothies more powerful than juicing in terms of hypernourishing your body? Yes, juices are not hypernourishing. Yeah, they're not even nourishing. So juicing is like modified fasting. You're, you're, you're losing the fiber. You're losing the minerals that live in the skin. Uh, you're just squeezing out some of the sugar, maybe a little bit of vitamins and a little bit of the water, but you're losing the whole food. So it's not really a whole food. If you think about it, you've now processed it and removed something from it. Now it's not unhealthy, like other processed things. It doesn't make people sick. So good, but you're not getting hypernourishment because you're missing out on the key components, right? Hypernourishment is you're having the whole food, right? The fiber, the minimal minerals, the vitamins, everything. And we're trying to get the highest dosage we can. So smoothies would be part of hypernourishment because even though you're blending it, you're having the whole food. Juices would not be. 
Great, thanks. And Isolde wants to know, what do you think of eating white potatoes? Depends on your goals. Depends on your goals. If you're otherwise healthy and you're, you know, enjoying your life and you're enjoying potatoes, it's fine. I eat potatoes. They're fine. Um, if, if you are trying to lose fat quickly, there's other vegetables that would probably be better off, but um, it also depends on your exercise. Like if I was doing, when I was doing muscle building, I was eating heavy potatoes on muscle building days, you know, cause I wanted that glycogen and I wanted the extra sugar and everything to like push into muscle tissue. Um, but on my fat loss days, I'd be doing like salads and smoothies and veggies and guac and stuff like that. So it just depends on your, on your goals You it dep- and, and how much exercise you do. If you're exercising enough, it's not a big problem, but for a lot of people who aren't moving around too much, then even small differences in nutrition can make a big difference in your results. Right. Actually, it was, I apologize. It was Sherry who asked that question. Isolde asked, what about someone who has lupus, but also struggling with high triglycerides? You're going to be on the right program, right? Because uh, this, so this is going to, if you do the goodbye lupus protocol, right, where you are just having um, the plant foods that optimize your cellular repair, you're going to have things heal throughout the whole body. So for example, I just right before we got on the live, I just got labs sent to me from someone who was in the last group we just finished. She did the group because she wanted to lose weight because she had um, pre-diabetes and she had high cholesterol. And we just got her labs done that were done in the sixth week. And her HbA1c is 5.2. So no sign of diabetes and her cholesterol is 152. (laughs) And her triglycerides were like 70, right? So everything came down. So she's on the same protocol as the people with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis in our group, they're all in the same protocol because the protocol is not specific for disease, it's specific for cellular repair and immunity. So it's going to fix all the different areas at once. I mean, we had somebody in this last group with ALS who her symptoms improved, her mobility increased. And I remember we were so excited selling with, celebrating with her that she's moving better. You know, this is the most exciting thing. And then she said, but my doctor said I have to try to put on weight. This is one of the reasons I did this today. I'm like, what? If you said, first of all, the reason you have low muscle mass is because you've been immobilized by ALS, right? And now you're starting to move again. That's going to help you. But the last thing you need on those poor joints and low muscle tissue is to add fat to your body, right? That's just, it made no sense, you know, that people are reversing incurable diseases, getting healthy. And someone's like, eh, you shouldn't be skinny. Um, I think it's really important that one, you can't die of starvation and be healing at the same time. Two, Skinny is not a disease. Obesity is. Right? Why are we pathologizing skinny? I'm skinny. Chef AJ is skinny. You oh, know? and Mary McDougal, we get attacked, we get attacked all the time. And yet, but we can't say anything about overweight people because that's not. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> but but I'm just saying obesity is a disease, but skinny is not a disease right? And yet it's becoming more and more pathologized. And so again, that's why I'm saying we have to look at the big picture. So for somebody with lupus and high triglycerides, well, yeah, you're true. I mean, that's what I had. And I was told that my cholesterol at 21, I'll never forget talking on the phone to my doctor. My cholesterol was over 200. And I asked him what I need to do. And he goes, nothing, just blame your parents. And it had nothing to do that all day long. I ate pizza and cheese. I ate eggs and cheese for breakfast. I ate pizza for lunch and dinner nothing to do with that. Right. And then within three months of changing my diet, not only do I not have lupus, but my cholesterol is 157. I was like, oh, maybe it was the cheese. 
you know? So, so when you're healing, your blood's going to get healthier, your heart's going to get healthier, your kidneys get healthier. And that's what we see across the board. Somebody, you know, like I was just talking about the woman who with morbid obesity, who lost 32 pounds, you know, one of her tests, her kidney function went up 15 points. She wasn't there for kidneys, but, but boom, you know, the nourishment went into her kidneys too. So you don't have to dissect it out that I'm going to do this for this organ or this for this disease. If you eat optimally, it's going to help your body optimally. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you said skinny is not a disease. One of the viewers says that her BMI is 12% body or her, she has 12% body fat. I believe that is that low. Well, is her BMI 12 or is it 12%? Yeah, body sorry. Fat? I, I, okay. I've got to find that. If, if you guys can find me in the chat, but it's just, you have so many comments. And so and moderators, if you can see that comment, is her BMI, uh, is her BMI 12, not BMI, body fat percent her bmi okay. is 12 okay. she is starving and we need to find out yeah. but here's so i'll say since we brought up bmi body mass index is just a ratio of height to weight and it was never meant by the person who came out with it to be used to diagnose people's health ever it was used for like a study where they were trying to look at people all over the world and and what their bodies look like and it is incorrect all the time uh, so you know for example uh, somebody who's really into muscle building will have a high bmi and they're healthy, right? Because they're looking at weight to height ratio. Um, so you have to be really careful about how you use BMI. And sometimes low BMI is a really good thing. So I like people on a lower end BMI that tends to be a lot healthier. But anyway, so that's one thing. So body fat percentage, my, my biggest issue with even the whole idea of talking about it is it's almost impossible to accurately measure it. Uh, so for example, if there are different ways that people will measure body fat, my husband actually had deep training in this in his career and all the different methodologies that he could speak better about it. I mean, I can bring him in sometime maybe to talk about all these things, but, but, you know, those machines that they use where you just grab it, you stand on it and hold it. And then it tells you, it like sends a current and it tells you those things are so inaccurate. If you got on it four times in a row and give you four different readings, if you have lotion on your hands, it gives you a different reading. Uh, how wet or dry you are. So, so people are using those and they don't actually give them an accurate measurement at all. Uh, and so that you can't really do much with it. Um, there is, uh, there are more technical ways to do it, but actually, actually the most accurate way to actually measure your body fat is an MRI. And that's kind of expensive. Then they can look at your fat around your organs, around your body and tell you your body fat. So again, I don't think I'd measure it off of that. I would look at what is the state of your health currently? Um, are you healthy or are you sick? And is your health improving or is it getting worse, right? So if I exercised hard enough, I could get my body fat pretty low and I'd still be healthy because I eat the right foods, right? So it just depends how much cardio I'm doing. Uh, so I, I don't base it off of any number. I, I'm very holistic. I always look at the entire person, both when I'm diagnosing them and when I'm evaluating them, whenever someone goes, I don't think it's working. My knees still hurt. I'll go, how about your elbows? Oh, I forgot about my elbows. They don't hurt anymore. Okay. You're healing, right? You can't look at one spot and then judge everything. We have to look at the human and see are all these other areas of your body is everything getting better or are things getting worse? And then we can judge whether or not your body weight is where you need it to be. Because what I always tell my clients is your healthy weight is your weight when you're healthy. I love that. <laughs> Your healthy weight is the way where you're healthy. I love that. Uh, Aaron says, do you believe that you can get hydration from food, fruits like fruits and veggies? They're basically water, aren't they? Because I'm swallowing my water. Yeah. Sure, there's some hydration in them. And 
it's it's an interesting thing. I, I've read this before. People say, you know, you shouldn't have to drink a lot of water because you can get water from produce. True, you can, but most people are so dehydrated. And you think about all the dry things people eat, right? Dried fruits, breads, baked stuff, right? There's a lot of dry things that people are having. Um, and they're just not hydrated enough. And, and most important thing is, again, results. So when it comes to, since we're talking about weight, what they've known for decades in the bodybuilding fitness world, even before they understood why or the way we understood why, is that when people have a gallon of water a day, when you when in the old days, if you went to the gym and you hired a trainer and said, what do I do? They'll say, drink a gallon of water a day. Why? I don't know. Works. You know? So, um, so what we found is when people have high hydration, they tend to lose weight better and they heal faster. From our work with all the people that we've worked with, what we found is when people drink 96 ounces or more of water, suddenly they start losing body fat faster. Their healing rate goes up dramatically and people test it all the time. People come to me and say, I'm doing your program. I'm like, really? How much water do you drink? Well, except for that, like 30 ounces a day. I'll say, you're not doing it yet. Let's get that water intake. And within a couple of weeks of the water going up, boom, their aches and pains get better. Everything gets better. So I can tell you from uh, treating people illness-wise, uh, when people drink more water, their headaches go away, uh, their constipation goes away, uh, their fat loss goes up dramatically, as well as muscle building ability. Um, they tend to have less aches and pains. You know, the water we drink, the excess water will go into the padding of our joints. If you're dehydrated, those joints will have smaller padding and have more bone on bone action there. Uh, excess water will also go into your other organ systems and finally into your skin. So it's one of those things too, that um, if you really want to have optimal health, then you really do want to focus on that water intake. Yes, there is. If you're eating raw and you're eating tons of fresh fruits and things, you eat nothing dry, then you probably need less water, especially for health maintenance. For health maintenance, you could probably even get away with the whole like FDA 64 ounces thing. But um, for, for changing your body, changing your health, optimal health, more water just works better. Yeah. Kathleen says, is there a normal BMI? That, that, um, what do you think is the optimal BMI? Some people think it's much lower than what the norm is. And again, that's why BMI is trash to me. <laughs> and I mean that lovingly, whoever that I'm, I'm not trashing you. But again, I have to look at the person. So for example, um, I've seen lots of healthy people who have a, a BMI that's anywhere from 17 to 19, where they shed all of their illness and they've lost all the body fat and they're skinny. Now, do they have muscle? No, because they've spent the last 15 years with arthritis and haven't moved anything. Now, as they add back, they're out of the, the rapid recovery phase and they want to start building muscle again. Cool. Start diversifying your diet again, right? Add back in healthy grains and beans and other foods, potatoes, all the things and bodybuild. Don't let it turn into fat. Go hit the gym and you want a curvy butt. Don't inject it. Build one out of, out of squats. <laughs> go in there and use food and then you can get your BMI up again. Are you any less healthy? No, you are healthy with the lower BMI. You're healthier with the higher BMI. As long as that higher BMI is now coming from muscle tissue and not coming from you just sitting around watching Netflix and eating junk and letting your body, your belly grow. Right? So again, the BMI doesn't really matter to me. Um, I've seen people who are also skinny because they just over-exercise and they eat totally terribly. Um, I saw a guy that we had a friend from Australia like that. He was one of those guys that runs hundreds of miles on the bike. He just bikes all over everywhere and he travels around the world biking. And his breakfast was a cupcake and, and a latte, you know, and he ate yogurts and all this junk, but he was ripped, not an ounce of fat. Why? Because he over-exercised. So whenever people say you can't out-exercise a bad diet for weight loss, sure you can. 
uh, you can exercise enough to make anything of weight loss diet, which is also why I have to look at your health. So I just don't think that just the BMI discussion is very useful because of all the reasons we just talked about today. Right. Thank you. Tracy says if she makes your smoothie with 64 ounces of water, does that count towards your water intake? Yes, but that would be a lot of smoothie. The average 64 ounce container will of, of like a Vitamix blender craft, the lines are 64 ounces. If you go to the top, it's like 80 ounces. But usually if you're making a smoothie, you're going to max out at like 30, maybe 40 ounces of water max. But however much water you put into it, yes, totally counts towards your water for the day. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, Dr. Goldner, we, we talked about the Ozempic face, face that happens, but I, I'm guessing you're not a fan of weight loss drugs. No, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I have so much respect for the human body, uh, both in how frail and fragile it is and how resilient it is. And, and unfortunately what we've grown to do in the medical world is really try to force the body into a certain aesthetic or function using medicines and even supplements. I don't use all the supplements either, you know, um, but to, to force the body to do something to look a certain way, but it's not making it any healthier. In fact, they're making them sicker. So again, weight loss drugs are looking at the scale to diagnose you, right? But if you're taking a drug, so one of the things the Ozempic drug does is it slows digestion down so you stay full longer. So now your stomach's moving more slowly, which could probably increase your risk of things like reflux, but it's making food more slowly so that you are full longer, which means you are less nourished. So you're basically doing a starvation technique where you feel full while you starve. I'm not a fan of that. Other people take ones that make you not digest fat. So then it just makes you have chronic diarrhea with fatty stool. We're creating malabsorption syndromes. The weight loss surgeries, I've had a lot of people who have weight loss surgery who then come to me to get better. We got to start with shot glasses of the smoothie because they are so malnourished because their stomach is this big. And, and now we've got to try to nourish them. And their previous doctor said, just drinks protein shakes for the rest of their life. And that's how they got autoimmune. And it's just, it's frustrating. So I feel like in this area, medical intervention is really harming people. Um, I know it's very hard to change your diet, the emotional side of it. That's why I work so hard to, to be side by side with people in that. Um, it is extremely emotional. It really should be treated with addiction. I use the same techniques I used in drug addiction to help people with food addiction. It's the same process, except harder because, you know, there's no cocaine on a platter at Costco, right? Or at a birthday party. Well, I'm a birthday party to go to, but for most of us, right? It's the cake in your face and it's the meat and the cheese in your face. It is a very difficult process. And yet the goal can't be the weight. It has to be your health. That if you want this body to take you to a hundred years, you got to nourish it. And, and just looking a certain way is not going to get you there. And, and that's, one of the, that's one of the things that scares me so much about the bad information out there, whether it's using the drugs to do it um, or, or you know, health um, disease-causing diets like the ketogenic diets and things that people are literally dying to be skinny, whereas skinny will be the natural result of eating healthy, right? I'm not trying to be skinny anymore. I just can't help it. <laughs> just, my body's like this. I've had two babies. It just goes right back. I don't do anything because this is where my body, when I'm healthy, this is my body wants to be here and I don't have to try for it anymore. You know, it just stays there. I'm sure chef, you probably have the same experience, right? You've reached an equilibrium where your body's like, 
this is me. I'm healthy. I know. I I mean, that's why people say you're too skinny. I mean, too skinny for who I've been this way for like 11 years now. What do you want me to do? I eat so much food and I'm always full. I say every night I say to my husband, how can this be? I eat so much. Your body has reached a a equilibrium. It's like, this is where I want to be. And that's fine. I can actually build muscle pretty easily because I have a fast metabolism, but it takes an enormous amount of food to force your body to gain weight. And I just get tired of it. I did a muscle building phase. I can find a picture for you guys. Tonight. I was really, really, when I was doing my, my husband's boot camps, I did muscle building and our muscles were so big that we went out one day and the bartender saw us and sent protein shakes to the table. <laughs> but it was just like, but I stopped doing it just because I didn't want to eat so much anymore. It was because in order to build that level of muscle, you have to eat past fullness all day long to force it. And I was just like, ugh, if I just eat to fullness, this is what I look like. And I love it because I feel so good. Like nothing in my body hurts. You know, like I, I lived, this is 30 years this year, 30 years since they told me that I had six months to live. I was 16 when they told me that. That And 30, isn't that amazing? So this is a very, I'm very emotional this year, more than usual. I'm always emotional, but like 30 years ago, they gave me six months to live at 16 rashes, my whole body hurt. I brain fog. I felt like I was like underwater trying to walk up the stairs to get to class. At 46, I feel amazing. And yeah, I'm skinny. And that must be, this is me healthy, right? So so it's really, I, I think that really people are going to have to try to stop looking at weight as, as a way of knowing, am I okay? Am I healthy? Your weight is really just one thing that shows you, you know, how your body is doing. But more important is, how are you getting there? right? You know, when I was doing that Fox argument with this keto doctor, he was like, you know, my patients lose so much weight. And I was like, yeah. And you can also lose weight rapidly with other ways to get cancer, like smoking, you know, Uh, but you know, you can get cancer and heart disease from smoking and the keto diet, right? And you're going to be skinny, or you can reverse disease and you can get your heart healthier and your organs healthier and, and feel amazing as you age. And the side effect will be that the scale will be lower. Right. So I, I really think it's important that that we're looking at just the overall picture. We stop looking at the scale and deciding you're too skinny. So you're sick. Really? Let's look at the big picture and see, wait a minute, what's going on in this person's body? How is their health? How is their kidney function? How are their arteries doing? What's their blood pressure doing? How quickly do they heal from infections? You know, for someone who's over 500 pounds to heal cellulitis in a couple of days instead of a couple of weeks, her body was so much healthier already, right? That um, I've had a lot of people, there was someone in my, in my uh, who did rapid recovery with me privately that anytime she got a cut, she couldn't heal it. They'd put stitches in and the stitches will fall out and it would rip open because her skin couldn't even hold stitches because she'd been on steroids since she was a child from autoimmune disease. Well, now she, could, she got a cat scratched her, she got stitches and they, it just healed. She's like, oh my God, I heal. Like her own skin couldn't knit back together before. And now it does. And guess what? She's skinny. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where you have to look at a person and their whole health, their whole body. You know, other people, I believe people mean well, uh, you know, and if you look different than they were used to seeing you before, they might comment. And what you need to do is go, yeah, I did get skinny and I feel great. Like stop being defensive. Stop making it a big deal. Like I had people say that to me, well, you've lost a lot of weight. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I feel great. That's it. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Because I knew I was doing something good. And it was my first time in my life not having arthritis. Right? So didn't matter what they said. You got to have that resilience to remember, again, skinny is not a, no, a disease. Obesity is. 
and you're right. doing this for you and for your health and the life you want to live. And nobody else's opinion really is valid when it comes to that. You know, it's funny, the people that criticize people for being too thin, they're never thin. <laughs> yes, yes. I was really proud of one of my patients once that um, there was this one lady she used to see that used to say something to her whenever she saw her in the supermarket. She'd be like, wow, you're getting very skinny. And, uh, and finally, one day she said that to her and she said, you know what? That is mean. How dare you comment on somebody else's weight? And she never did it again. Because <laughs> you would never go up to someone and go, wow, you've really packed some on, haven't you? Like, never. It's so funny that people will do that. It's okay one way, but the other way it's fat shaming, but thin shaming seems to be okay. Yeah. Although I haven't, I, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I have never had that happen to me otherwise. Uh, I, when I was losing the weight is when people commented because you're changing, you look different, right? Then they start to worry. Um, but, but like when I meet people now, they usually yeah, make- When people meet you thin, they don't usually say anything. They just- No, yeah. I always get compliments like, wow, you look amazing. What do you do? I'm like, oh, you know, but the people who see you lose it usually have something to say. Uh, and again, sometimes it's jealousy. Although I did get a comment. I just got a new OBGYN and, uh, and I went to see her. And she wrote down like uh, very thin on, on, on her thing. And she, and, and so she said, you know, we should look, we should check for bone loss because you're so thin. She's obese, like very obese. And I just chuckled and I was like, I'm, I don't have, uh, it's, I, I'm not unhealthy, <laughs> you know? but in her world, if you're thin, again, you're sick. And if you're sick and dying, your bones, everything's getting worse. I've helped people reverse osteoporosis in my group. That's amazing. But, but, but she saw me for the first time and she was amazed by my story. She's like, wow, this is a testimony. This is amazing. Because you know, if they met me the first time, they want to know my health history. You know, the health history is always say, have you ever had chemotherapy? Yes. Have you ever had kidney failure? Yes. Have you ever, you know, so I look terrible on paper. Um, but, you know, it was just one of those things that even though she was amazed, she still was like worried. And I'm like, there's, there's nothing to worry about. I'm, I'm fantastic health. Um, my, my OBGYN actually in California, she finally said to me, you know what, you have lower body fat pregnant than I do not pregnant. I need to just start doing what you're doing. Um, so eventually they catch on and get excited. But, you know, again, you've got to know what you're doing. Make sure that you're eating enough, that you're not starving yourself, right? That you're, you're getting the right resources and the right help. Uh, but if your body's getting healthier, then you can trust that. And feel good about yourself. Stop letting other people tell you how you should look and start really looking after how you want to feel. Right. One of the viewers is asking, can they use chia seeds instead of flax seeds? Does Is there something special about flax? No, I buy whatever's on sale. So chia is an acceptable substitute? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. People usually, they chia makes things thicker. Flax has a more nutty flavor. You know, if you've had a history of breast cancer, maybe you prefer the flax because you want the phytoestrogens. But in general, they're interchangeable. Right. One of the viewers is saying, does smoothies, do your green smoothies help get rid of uterine fibroids? Yes. Yes. We've had people reverse fibroids on our program. And again, it's not just the smoothies, it's the whole protocol. Um, but yes, absolutely. We've seen that. Um, and which is a wonderful thing. And people whose periods no longer become painful. That's all the time in our group. Cause six weeks, most people who are having periods will have one during that time. And they're, and they're always amazed when they're like, oh my God, I didn't have PMS this time. This is weird. I've never, never had a period go by without feeling badly. So it is really good. Again, it's cellular repair. So people are often shocked in all the different ways that they feel better. Well, you can't argue with the results because like I say, every week I'm running into one of your patients and I'm seeing them living proof that this works. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. Well, it's fun seeing you again. And it is so you're so you're so passionate. And you know, if you ever want to do like a recipe on the show, we'd love to see what you eat. 
Yeah, yeah, I could probably do that. I'm just not that interesting, but I am working on a recipe book. So when we start getting more solid on that, but in general, we just eat the same stuff every day. I'm not a fancy chef like you. So I'm like, if it works- Well, I don't eat like a fancy chef either. Honestly, I have the same thing every day for lunch for 12 years. I mix up dinner a little, or maybe one of your kids can come on. That would be fun. Oh, when they get out of school, definitely. Because actually my, my Alex, he wants to be a chef. He wants to be a vegan chef. He said he'll go to medical school as a backup. Oh, <laughs> that's, like, we, that's, that's a backup, but okay. There's a couple of doctors like Uma Naidu and, and Colin Zhu that are doctors and chefs. Yeah, well, he's, yeah, I think he really just wants to be a chef, but he was trying to pay me a compliment. I'm like, you be whatever you want, buddy. You go ahead and do it. But he's on my channel sometimes. Like he invented his own raw desserts and stuff that he loves. So he's he's definitely the the chef. So I can't wait till he keep, he takes over the cooking, you know? That's great. Well, we love your passion. Thank you so much, Dr. Thanks. It's good to see you again. Nice I'll see you see next you. time. Thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back at 2 p.m. when Emmanuel Alarcón, he is the owner of the only vegan restaurant in Tecate, Mexico, is going to be making a beef ceviche from his restaurant called Verdes Vegan. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.